Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Jessica Glover, who is an author, and she wrote the books Another Beast Skin, which is a series. How many books are in the series, Jessica? There are two that are currently published, and one that's on its way should be out. I'm looking towards summer next year. We had it; we ran into a little bit of a delay, but it should be out next year. There we go. Everybody on this podcast will be looking forward to the third book in that series and the upcoming stars like book is that correct yep stars like gasoline yeah stars like gasoline releases uh april 25th 2023 there we go just curious before we really jump in to the show are you writing two books at once right now or is one in kind of the editing and one is in like the writing stage or (laughs) i have a lot going on so the, the Another Beast Skin books, um, the, those are done. Um, the last book of Chaos and Haste is actually, it's written, it's gone through a lot, um, but it needs it needs to have like final edits done on it. So technically I'm in the editing stage with that one. Um, Stars Like Gasoline has, is ready for its final edit stage as well. And then because I'm actually indie publishing that one, um, so I'm doing that on my own. It's kind of a, a passion project because I love this book so much. Um, I've actually, I've, I've done a lot of work on it, but I have to like format it and do all of that myself, which I'm really nervous about. So um, I'm in a lot of the technical stages with that one, but it is written. Um, and then I have another book that I'm in the process of. It's, it's technically written, but it needs to go through copy edits. So there's going to be a lot more added and taken out. And then I'm also, I've started a new book, <laughs> completely different uh, project. So yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there we go. Love it. Very busy gal. Well, awesome. Unorthodox start to the show, but I love it because I loved hearing about your projects. We do like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself, what you like to do for fun outside of writing amazing books, that'd be great. <laughs> um, I'm, a, I'm a traveler in my heart and physically. Um, I just That's probably my top tier favorite thing to do. Um, I love to get lost in other cities, towns, just explore culture. Um, and so I do that with my family. Um, and I love, I actually really like to cook and I make chocolate. Um, I had a small chocolate business for a while. So uh, I do actually make artisan chocolate. And um, as I am a personal trainer, uh, I do like to work out. And it's really important to me, just you know, mentally and physically, I enjoy working out. It's not drudgery for me. So, um, but being outdoors, hiking, um, hiking, traveling, that's kind of where it is for me. So, There we go. Have you always liked to travel or did you develop it as you became an adult? I've always liked to travel. My mom worked for Pan Am, so we got to fly for free. And so we kind of always went, I, I feel like I was born with wings. So we, we were always somewhere. So it's, it's always been a, a passion of mine. And to be able to explore like cult, different cultures and the art of different places, I adore art. Um, it, it's just an intrinsic part of my being, I suppose. There we go. I love it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of um, travel too. And it's interesting because I like to see new places, mm-hmm. but I don't like to travel frequently. Like I would love to go out once or twice a year to a completely new place and experience it for a good couple of weeks, but I'm not one to like fly twice a month, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot out of you and it does, it really, there's something to be said for the comforts of home and being able to be in your routine, um, eat your own food, sleep in your own bed. That's a big deal. Facts. Facts. Awesome. Well, how long have you been an author or wanting to be an author? My whole life. Um, I wrote my first novel, quote unquote, when I was 12, um, but obviously I didn't do anything with it. Um, so I, I have a degree in creative writing and also a degree in international studies, international relations, um, intelligence and foreign policy. So I did like a mixed degree there. So I have a degree in creative writing um, and I just 
I just kind of put it on pause. I stopped writing. Not that I stopped writing. I would, you know, journal and did poetry and scribbles here and there, but I didn't throw myself back into it um, until 2018. Um, I just kind of put it on the back burner for a little bit and did different things with life. I raised my kids and, you know, it's kind of just took a break for a bit. I got you. I got you. Do you think the degree in creative writing has really helped you as an author, or do you think most of the skills were developed outside of the classroom? Um, I think the skills were developed outside of the classroom. I think that having that degree um, as like really any degree, I think what, what it helps you with the most, um, unless you're going into a field that requires it, say, you know, medicine or law or things like that. I feel like it's giving you more of a, of a well-rounded life experience, like a a classic life experience. Um, And I do like to learn. I'm fairly academic. And so I enjoy the history and, you know, things like that, that we have to take. But I think that the technicality of it, I mean, sure, I guess the grammar helps, but you don't need that, need that. (laughs) And as someone who really does like academia, I feel like I'm a little bit um, going against the grain saying that, but no, I don't think I needed that. And I, I think that, the skills that I develop um, that have made me a better author um, even after my first book released is um, kind of tapping into the writing community and getting feedback from other writers and readers, you know, the the people who are really consuming your product. And um, I think paying attention to that and reading is the best um, get your hands on. There we go. I love it. I was asking that question because I recently had a 15-year-old who's also an author. She nice. has written a couple books and actually I feel like more than a couple. She's a published author though. And she awesome. was talking about going to college to do creative writing. And I was like, do you feel like you'll be able to teach that class with how much you've actually written? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, yeah, probably. But she really <laughs> wants the experience of it. So you kind of spoke yeah. to what she was looking for which is really cool. Awesome. Tell us a little bit more about your motivation. What really gets you up and keeps you going every day? Um, I actually have a, I have a decent amount of drive and a lot of um, uh, dedication to uh, my craft. Um, Actually in in, in everything I'm, you know, like with working out, I was saying, you know, it's not, it's not drudgery. It's something that I do. And I know for my health, I need it. So um, I get up and know that what needs to be done needs to be done. I just do it. Um, but as far as my writing is concerned, I, I have kind of a magnetic pull towards it. I want to do it. I would get up. I had like 5 and 6 a.m. clients when I first started writing Another Beast Skin. And so I had to get up really early in order to get some writing in before I had my clients for the you know half of the day and then took care of my kids. And then I would kind of get a little bit in in the evening, but then go to bed because I was getting up so early. But it's, it's something that I feel like I need to do I can't concentrate on anything else until I put those words down I gotcha Um, and do you have a set like I'm gonna write 1,000 words before I get up or what does that look like no that hasn't really worked for me a lot of people that works for and that's great um and sometimes I'll do writing sprints with other people and be like how much can you get done in 20 minutes and and yeah it's great to get a big word count but at the same time um I'm kind of feast or famine I'll you know i I'll sit down and be like, all right, well, that was a good 200 word session, but it was a good 200 words. Um, and then other times it'll be 6,000 words and most of it's probably usable, but it's not, I don't aim for anything in particular. I try to finish a scene when I write um, just because it's easier for me headspace wise, but I don't really aim for a specific, uh, like a quantitative um, specific, specific, anyone, yep, not even attempting it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Well, awesome. Tell us a little bit more about dreams and goals. We're going to jump into the meat right now. What's your vision for your life and your books? Um, World domination uh, in the book market, obviously, right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, My biggest dream is to be able to support my family and on my writing and get my husband out of his job. And then I want us to retire. Um, And I use the word retire lightly because we're not like, you know, old but (laughs) but move to Spain and be able to just kind of chill and write and do our art my husband's an artist and I want him to be able to do that without having another career to deal with and I I want to be able to support us and be able to continue writing and have people 
love my books. And it sounds kind of trite, but at the same time, that's the truth. I want people to be so enveloped in my stories and in my words that they can't wait for what I have to say next. They want everything that I want to, that I put out. They just want to read it. So that's my dream. I love it. I love it. So we got world domination in the book market. Yep. Support your family <laughs> on your writing and move to Spain. And with that location, freedom, time, freedom, and money, freedom that you will have. Um, just curious. Actually, I feel like this will be in the next couple questions. So before I ask that question, I'm going to ask this question, which I know that didn't make sense to you, but it made a lot of sense to me. <laughs> um, what is the um, number of books? <laughs> yeah. What is the number of books that you need to sell per month or to hit that number that you'll be able to support your family on? Um, I wish I knew that answer. Um, right now, my books are published through a small publisher and um, they kind of have more control over my funds. So I really haven't made anything. I mean, truth be told. Okay. Um, and so... I haven't really worked out the numbers as far as like what I put out. Cause there's kind of a lot of extraneous factors that are going to decide that. Um, so I'm not, I'm not quite sure yet. Um, that's definitely an evolving answer. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. So is the number evolving or is the number of books evolving? Like, is it 10 K a month and you just don't know how many books you need to sell? Or is it like it, it was 8 K last month. It's 12 K this month. Could be 10 K next month. Could be 20 K in the future. I mean, honestly, 10K books a, uh, a month would definitely be amazing. Um, <laughs> and that would work for me. Um, but I think once I get into a steady amount um, going out and then the books kind of being translated into other languages and more globally available, I think that I'll be able to make it work as um, a, like a sole income. Um, but I don't have a number yet. I wish I did. <laughs> I got you. I got you. That makes sense. That makes sense. Do you have the, um, no, I guess that's fine. We'll just move on. Uh, what are the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now to really get to the point where you can support your family on your writing? Um, I think for me, it would be, um, outside of like my personal growth, which would probably be more focused than, um, not that I don't focus, but it, you know, life happens. And so to zero in on something that you need kind of like full attention on um, and be able to set it aside and say, well, no, this is my time to write. Um, th that focus would be helpful, but marketing, I guess I'm like, not that I'm horrible at marketing, but it's not my forte. Um, and I would love to have that taken off my plate and be able to um, like, get or take it off my plate or ha have it down pat for myself and be able to do it so i gotcha i gotcha and when it comes to marketing books are you primarily doing it through social media are you doing paid ads do you have like um just your group of 1000 true fans that really sell your book for you like what's the main form of marketing um mainly through social media um and then i have done paid ads on amazon um and Amazon, Facebook, and Instagram, um, which I don't think have yielded that much results for me particularly yet. I, you know, I did kind of a short trial run, um, mainly in October, just to kind of see where we were. Um, cause I kind of wanted to see like bump up those quarter three results and, and see where we were. But I think I do get a little bit more when I have more foot traffic on social media. Um, and, it's funny because they always say like word of mouth, you know, village to village is the best way to market, especially when you're, you have a, like a craft, an art craft um, that you're selling because one person spreads the word and someone else spreads the word and you have, you know, people with larger Instagram following reading your book and that really gets it out there. And that's, that's the way to build the fan base I've found for me um, in particular. So I just kind of need more of that. Okay. Okay. So you do some social media, you do some paid stuff, but the real key here is word of mouth. Definitely. Gotcha. And I feel like, and <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I feel like that is actually the, um, the thing about business in general. Like I'm a big fan of Alex Hormozy. Do you know who that is? I don't. Gotcha. He's a big YouTube marketer. He like, he's 32. 
was broke at 26 is worth a hundred million dollars now. And so he like did that because he knows how to market and sell really yeah. well. And so I really love listening to his perspective on stuff. And he actually talked about the fact that as important as marketing is, what's really key is having a good product and a good customer experience so that they spread the good word of mouth because exactly. you're either getting good word of mouth or you're getting bad word of mouth and bad word of mouth will kill your business. And so exactly. Sounds yeah, like it's similar definitely. with books. Yeah. I have a, um, a friend who does PR for a lot of artists. And when I told her that I was doing the, the paid ads, she's like, well, that's great, but <laughs> it's your, it's all of your interactions that are going to yield more results. She's like, I can tell you that right now that paid ads will get you visibil visibility, but it's not like a hands-on interaction like you get on social media and then thereby getting that word of mouth as well. So that was an interesting take that I hadn't thought of. So. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. And when it comes to generating word of mouth, I noticed the PR person said hands-on now is social media is a post on social media hands-on enough, or is it like going live on social media? Is it attending the uh, book signings that authors do? It's everything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is everything. It's kind of, I was putting in about 20 hours to 25 hours a week just on marketing my books um, up until probably like six weeks ago, I've had a little bit of a burnout and I just needed to step back a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it's going, doing all the things, going live on social media and doing book readings and um, my, my book is a big deal. <laughs> so um, I, I, need to get into more Barnes and Noble for signings, but I did one at my closest one in Valencia and it was amazing. We sold out and I met, you know, more community members and people are excited to see somebody doing something in their community. I mean, I know I am, I love supporting small business. I love supporting really anybody who's trying to reach their dreams, but um, it was, it was cool to, to know that other people felt that way too and have people come up to me and, you know, me to sign their books and stuff like that and I think that made a huge difference um in my, my overall sales because I saw it bump up after that um and just morale as well which then obviously gives you a little bit more fire yeah <clears throat> yeah absolutely no that makes sense I know when I was learning a lot about marketing um a couple months back like I think six seven eight months ago I was like studying Russell Brunson and all them and they would talk about how marketing, one of the keys to marketing is building your list. And one of the keys to building your list is giving away something for free that adds value to the audience. And then they sign up and then you can market to them through your email list, like over and over and over. And so <laughs> as an author, is that just like a free copy of your book? Is it something else that's free? Is it like a bonus chapter that maybe you hit away? Like, what does that look like as an author? Um, it's actually like everything that you said. I've done giveaways with my books um, and I have these stickers printed and things like that. Um, and I have done bonus chapters and I do have a newsletter, which I've been sorely neglecting lately. <laughs> um, I was kind of waiting for a particular set of news. So uh, yeah, anyway, excuses, excuses, but, um, but it is, yeah, it's, you know, it can be, it can be anything depending on what people want. I found that the bonus chapters were fun. Um, and it's also like I'll put together playlists for my books and my characters and, um, put those in my in my newsletter I, I really big into music so I'll always add songs um and then I'll put up uh, links to a Spotify playlist on my uh, Instagram account and yeah like I said stickers and t-shirts I had some candles made um based on my characters um and I supported a, another small business doing that and a fellow author actually so um that was a kind of a cool collaboration that we were able to do and a lot of us get together and we'll do like a big giveaway of our own books like five of us will put our books into a pool and do a giveaway. And so it kind of supports us all. Mm, yeah. That's really smart. Uh, I like the getting together and giving away five books. That's really cool. Well, nice. Yeah. Nice. What are the highest impact? So we got kind of the skills you need. It's marketing your own personal growth, but what are the highest impact daily actions that you can take every day to tick the needle forward towards replacing or sustaining your family on the income from books? Um, what I need to probably get back into more is querying for the my latest, the, the one book that I have to query because I'm trying to find a literary agent 
Um, and by having an agent, which I don't have now, they'll be um, my liaison or my like the person who will coddle me and walk me and hold my hand through this whole process and um, hopefully get me a bigger publishing deal in the future. And so querying that book is a step that I need to take every day. Um, when I first started querying, like with Another Beast Skin, I sent out like 70 queries in one go. And I found that that doesn't really work because I want to see why the book is being rejected when I do get rejections, which, you know, obviously you do. That's just the way life is. Um, so I'll take, um, you know, two or three and send them out and then maybe wait a couple of days and then see where we go. Um, so I need to query and that's the daily thing, but I do need to um, write and edit daily. Mm. Uh, not necessarily like a whole session, but I definitely need to feed my craft. I got you. I got you. And so when you talk about querying, is that just like sending them out to agents to read? Like what exactly does that mean? Uh, it's actually a whole process. Um, and we call it the query trenches because it, it's really demoralizing. <laughs> but no, it's you, there's a whole there's a format um, of a query letter that you put together. And it's, you know, dear, you know, so-and-so who is an agent at whatever agency that you're querying. And then you kind of give like a, uh, like a log line for your book and there's everyone wants something slightly different from the way that you organize your query letter to the amount of pages that you send in so the last one I sent in um, I just had the whole letter and you give a synopsis of the book um, and then comps for the book like this is you know I'm going to give something completely totally different be like Willy Wonka meets you know Dead Poet Society which I can't even imagine what that would be like but um, so you give like a comps for your book um, and then a short bio and then whatever amount of the uh, the reading that they have asked for. So this last one was 10 pages. So the first 10 pages of your book then you send in or put in the body of the email. Um, and so you just, you know, you kind of send it. It's cold calling. You just send it out. Yeah. And kind of cross your fingers. <laughs> wow. That is so interesting. And it's interesting on various levels because like, what if the first 10 pages of your book just suck? And then the, yeah. the other one ninety. You, you learn that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I changed the first. I changed like the first thirty pages of Another Beast Skin when I first started querying it. I also started querying it at one hundred seventy-two thousand words, which is way beyond what anyone wants to look at. They were like, "Uh, no, cut a hundred thousand." Yeah. We'll look at it, but um, yeah, it was it was too long. But yeah, you kind of learn. You, maybe these pages aren't so great. So you go back and you tweak them and it's, it's a process. It's, a, it's definitely a learning process. So. Wow. That is so interesting. Have you ever thought about like, is like, making that process easier for authors? Like if you had to make that process smoother, easier, and like make it so more authors get their work out there to a larger audience, like what would you tweak in the process? Um. I would, we've kind of had a lot of discussions about this, like within the writing community, because uh, um, there will be agents who res who don't respond because they get tons of queries. I mean, there are some I've seen who get hundreds a month and they just don't have time to respond to all of them, much less respond personally. But I have seen, I actually never gotten a rejection that said why they were rejecting it beyond the word count being too high. I did get that in the beginning. Um, but I've heard of people getting it saying, oh, I didn't connect with your characters or I didn't like your multiple POVs. Um, and that's really helpful feedback when you get that. But most agents don't. They'll just be like, it wasn't for me. It wasn't right for my list at this time. Um, so I kind of wish that there was almost like a, like if everything's going to be in a form rejection anyway, it's like tick a form, you know, like almost like. I mean, I have kids, so you get like progress reports and sometimes there'll be like numbers that say, it's really a pleasure in class. And it's like, okay, they say this to everybody, but unless it isn't a pleasure in class, but, <laughs> yeah. but like almost if there were things that they could take, like didn't like this, like this, um, which obviously takes time, but it would be helpful, I think, to know where you stand because sometimes it really is, it's not right for my list or I honestly couldn't be bothered to read the whole thing because I was lost after the first line, you know, but Ah, I see. That is so interesting. So like having a forum where it's like, maybe they have things on like theme or voice or what other, yeah. whatever writing things, you know, you guys put into your novels and then they can like check off boxes. Exactly. I think there's a one, there's a five, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
Exactly. Or like, you know, you should really edit it. You're terrible with typos. I'm terrible with typos. I'm really bad with typos. <laughs> like, yeah. I got you. Um, I got you. But I also understand because they get so many queries that I understand that that's, you know, it's almost like a full-time job in itself, just responding. So I, I don't know what the right answer is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that could add some, an unnecessary amount of time to, man, I do feel like there's a billion dollar business idea right there though. I will say. <laughs> Maybe. If, if you and some other writers ever get a hankering to just jump into the business world, I think you guys could solve those two problems and <laughs> do very well. I don't know. Somebody came up with the idea for the, the query tracker website, which, so that probably has made them quite a bit. And there's the section for uh, agents themselves and publishers, and there's a section for authors so that you can see all the agents that you've queried and whether it's rejected or accepted. And I mean, that has definitely made things easier. Some of them you, you um, actually submit your, your project through query tracker. So it's all in a form of submission. And that actually is a lot easier. So, mm. so someone did make some money on that, I assume. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I bet they did. <laughs> I bet a lot of authors use that. So, yeah, 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 definitely. Awesome. Well, what character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dream life come true? Um, probably a little bit more of a thicker skin. I um. I think I, I get a little bit discouraged with myself. And I think that that is something that I could definitely improve upon just a little bit more. Um, like I, I have perseverance and, and sometimes when I'm down, I, you know, I, I'll get up a lot stronger. However, I do take things to heart really easily. And I think I need to develop a little bit of a thick skin. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. There we go. Why do you think you take things um, to heart? just a very sensitive person <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's just that that uh creative mm. i don't know creative romantic mindset just kind of everything everything sinks in so yeah i got you i got you thank you for sharing that if there were one or two people that you can meet right now and this could be a specific person or a type of person and they'd really help you take that next step towards your dreams and goals who would they be and how would they do it? Ooh, I think um, probably meeting a literary agent who um, has a lot of experience and success, but still wants to help authors. I think, and I, I mean, I can think of, uh, um, I can I can think of specific people who on social media I've seen have been helpful. Um, I don't really want to call anybody out just because I don't want <laughs> to be awkward, but like. I think any literary agent who would be able to point me in the right direction or give me the time of day, you know what I mean? Like just kind of really sit down and, and look at what I'm, um, what I'm putting out. I think that would probably be handy um, because I think just kind of, I don't know. I, I like to pick people's brains, even if it isn't just for me, but I want to know what makes people tick, what, what makes people want the projects that they want um so i think that that would be an interesting meeting so i think and that would help me uh not only on my career path but just kind of in that that creative um state to just kind of know uh, i don't know i guess what the, what the little literary world would be wanting right now I think that would be interesting. yeah have you ever thought about starting a podcast <laughs> Only briefly because my 14 year old suggested it. <laughs> um, but I mean, I did think I, I did think about it two years ago. I wouldn't have been able to be on podcasts. And even it's funny because my mom's like, I can't believe you do this now because I would get so nervous. I would stutter just talking to people. Um, I'd have to like stand up in a meeting and my hands would shake. It was awful. So it's, it's to me that that I've come this far is kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kudos to you, especially if two years ago you were so nervous you would stutter. You're doing really well. So I wouldn't have ever guessed for sure. Thanks. Of course, Thank of course. Um, but yeah, I just think I think a podcast would be great exactly for that, especially like I don't know if you'd be able to get the top dog literary agents, at least in mm -hmm. the beginning. 
until you have the eyes of more authors and other literary agents. But some of the like middle dogs, like up and coming literary agents that are still really busy, but need to optimize some parts of their business would really love a podcast to let authors know what they're looking for and make their <laughs> systems and processes easier. And so value add to the literary agent, value add to other authors, value add to yourself. And um, mm -hmm. I don't know, just seems like a win, win, win. But yeah, it's also yeah. time. So maybe that's a lose part. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but everything is right. Time is money. Money is time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, mm -hmm. absolutely. Well, awesome. Now we're going to jump into our thriving three. And okay. our first question is, what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Okay, pick one of the three. One of the three, yep. Um, my favorite book is A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Hartman. A Discovery of Witches or Witches? Yeah, I'm a June. Mm -hmm. Yep, Witches. Yeah. Gotcha. There we go. Definitely. Why is that your favorite? Um the world that she builds in it um i mean it takes place in in the real world but her world building with um creatures versus humans and um linking alchemy and science and history she's a historian uh deborah harkness the writer is actually a historian she works for um usc and she's just she's an inspiring person anyway and i love that she published her book in her 40s like her first book she published in her 40s and that's really inspiring to me because i was 42 when my uh, first book came out. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but the the book itself, it just, from the, and I reread it every year. It's my comfort read. It, the characters, the dialogue, the, the world building is just, um, it's cozy and it kind of makes no apologies for the fact that it's intelligent. And I appreciate that. Yeah, gotcha. That's really cool. World building. What do you think are some of the key elements of world building that like will set really quality world building apart from like adequate world building? Um, I think just uh, the like the tangible and visceral details that you add, the way that things feel to your characters and smell to your characters. You know, I, I want to know what the climate is. You know, without just you know telling me the climate is, I want to know what what everyone's feeling and the emotional response the characters have towards um, the world around them. I want to know what um, what makes money change hands. I want to know what makes people uh, just violent and passionate and fall in love and do the things that they're doing based on the nature around them. So I, I think that's what sets it apart. Yeah. Yeah, that's really exciting when I think about that, especially because it's like, I feel like to be an author, maybe Stephen King said this in his book, so on writing, but uh -huh. I feel like when you become a really good author, it comes from like a really good understanding of humans and human dynamics, Definitely. because like to come and speak about a world that you're creating with that much detail, you have to understand the world we live in, A, and then to communicate it in a way that people want to keep reading it, you really have to understand humans. So I just think that's really cool. I agree. Yeah, I agree. That was important from when I was building my world in Beast. Um, when I first got the idea for the book, I wasn't actually going to have that alternate realm in it. I was going to mention it, but it wasn't actually going to be a huge part of the book. And I really did a deep dive into it, especially into the second and third book, because I loved building that realm. I built, I mean, I actually wrote another language for it as well um because it was important <laughs> you wrote another to... language mm -hmm. yeah you created mm -hmm. a whole language i did yeah it's not tolkien level because i'm not that brilliant um but i did tolkien created so... another language yeah you did <laughs> i did not know that <laughs> i feel i feel silly now on the podcast no, no not at all no i mean why you know you wouldn't know that unless unless you knew unless you were a huge fan or something you know what i mean like yeah. for sure so interesting awesome oh that's so cool <laughs> <laughs> um what is one way you like to take care of yourself working out um I, I really i think it's so important um for us and to recognize 
the proper way to work out. And this is where I get into like all of my, I have a lot of credentials through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, including my behavior change specialist and um, I have fitness nutrition coaching and TRX and all of these things. But um, to recognize the, the times of your life that you need to do different types of exercise. For instance, you know, a couple of years ago, there, everyone was into like CrossFit and high impact uh, training and just um, go, 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 go. And then we recognized that there was an unhealthy hormone shift, especially in females, that we need to not necessarily work that hard all the time. Um, and especially women over a certain age, like that those hit workouts isn't something that you want to do um, during different parts of your cycle. And so I won't deep dive into that, but knowing when um, is the better time for you to, you know, deadlift versus do Pilates versus go for like a six mile run and what's right for your body at the time and listening to your body and not punishing your body thinking, oh, I'm working out to lose weight or I'm, you know, I have to get in 40 minutes of cardio. It's just no listening to your body and what it needs at the time, whether it's like slow and steady core work or whether it's, you know, sometimes you need to wait around a little bit. Um, I think that that is really important and that's a way that I take care of myself and um, kind of really listen to what, what I need to do for my body on any given day. So there we go. Probably you- a longer winded answer than you wanted, but <laughs> Oh, I loved it. In fact, I have a follow-up question about it. Um, do, do you, um, when you say listen to yourself, I feel like that is a very, I, I don't feel like, you know, you were born knowing how to listen to yourself and know what you need. If that makes sense. You may listen to yourself in the fact that, like there's pain in my lower back or there's yeah. this or there's that, but so how do you develop mm-hmm. listening to yourself and knowing what you need and then acting accordingly? Um, sometimes it's slowing down and um, I'm not a competitive person. So I, um, for instance, years ago when I did do CrossFit as a workout, it was, it was kind of torture to me because I had that, that anxiety around me of needing to keep up but at the same time it's not the way that's not the way I am as a person I'm not competitive and so I just wanted to work out on my own and it made me feel um like like there was too much going on at once um whereas I could push myself and be like I want to go faster today but only on my own not with someone else around I don't know I'm weird but um I think stepping back and slowing down and really taking a look at okay do I like running I do, but, um, some people don't, but they force themselves to run anyway. And I think if you were to stop and say, I don't really like running. Okay. What does my body like doing? Well, my body likes lifting weights. Okay. Let's, let's see. How can we incorporate the lifting weights and the stuff that we like into a, a a regimen that works for everything that we need, because we do need some sort of cardiovascular exercise. What? No, we don't. You know? (laughs) lots of things can be cardio though (laughs) it doesn't have to be running and stairmasters and stuff like that you know you can be going on the rower or um well honestly walking that's like my favorite thing (laughs) walking and hiking so but i think stepping back and and taking into account what you do want and what you don't want it's almost like many like go to your hairstylist and like sometimes they'll be like okay I'm not sure what I want but I know what I don't want this is what I don't want um so knowing what you don't like as far as um exercise or or diet too be like okay do I really want to eat egg whites and boiled chicken every day not really (laughs) like okay what do you like and let's take it in moderation so I think that's that's kind of key gotcha 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 yeah I had a really interesting Alex Hormozzi, he's also a fitness guy, big time marketer, big time fitness guy. And he was just talking about the importance of like to get his dream body. He wasn't necessarily talking about health per se, but to get his dream body, a lot of it hinged on eating a lot of protein and then Mm -hmm. controlling his calorie intake. And so Mm -hmm. if he wanted to stay at a certain weight, it meant this amount of calories and he knew he needed 200 grams of protein. But outside of that, he could eat all the sweets he wanted, eat all this, eat all that. not saying it's the healthiest thing to do, but he could maintain his six pack by eating that protein and having done the work that he did. And I was like, that's really interesting because a lot of people don't tell you that when it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely very interesting (laughs) stuff. Awesome. What is one 
action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet that person, that literary agent that has that experience, success, and also wants to help authors? Um, I think continuing my query process um, and tweaking it, just to see where um, where my faults lie and see where like weak spots in my query letter or even in my, my first few pages are. And, um, and um, I've had to put myself out there. Like I said, like going on podcasts and things, I've had to put myself out there more in the last couple of years um, than I ever thought I would do. Um, but I genuinely like to support other people. I mean, just like whether it's a small business or anybody really, I'm, I'm, because I'm not competitive, I always want to help other people. Um, and so I think just like my online presence and just trying to just be more supportive of other people and meeting other people in the writing community, including literary agents. I think that that is probably um, one of my action steps. Just, you know, keep, keep up with um, like a genuine presence. I don't put on airs. I don't pretend to be anything else or, you know, it's just, it's just me. I got you. I got you. So continue the query process and push the genuine online presence, whether that be posting content or interacting with people. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Sounds good. Sounds good. I was going to ask you a question, but I literally just forgot it. And that is <laughs> so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> Do that all the time. Yeah. Oh, what was it? What was it? Uh, hopefully it comes back to me. I'm just going to ask the next questions. I think it'll come back to me. <laughs> cool. No We're going to jump into our final series of questions now. These can get a little bit personal. So <laughs> if you, it's like on the tip of my tongue, like <laughs> I just, <laughs> it's so close oh my I god i cannot move on <laughs> <laughs> um so these can get a little bit personal if you don't want to answer them you can just pass um that's totally okay. fine and we'll just move on to the next question what is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life if any oh um i'm the best at telling myself that i'm not enough just not enough of anything and so I think that's that's the one. I got you. I got you. Mm -hmm. And where does the um, not enough come from? Um, I don't know. Probably just, um, I mean, there's probably some childhood thing, but I, there's, there's nothing in particular that I can pinpoint, but I think it's just being a creative, sensitive person. And... And I'm, I'm like, I'm a giver, you know, I always want to, to help other people. I always want to be the one who's um, really kind of facilitating care or happiness of my loved ones. So um, I, I think that just being that ultra sensitive, creative personality and being the giver, I think makes me feel like I'm never doing enough. I'm never enough to everybody. And so um, that definitely shows up in, in my, um, my writing career, like it's, it's that imposter syndrome, you know, so. I got you. So you got the ultra sensitive creative personality. So you kind of take things to heart easily, but you're also yeah. the giver. So you like to create space for people in which they can thrive and give them the things they need to succeed. And that kind of leaves you vulnerable to the not being enough because it's hard to hold those two things in tandem. Definitely. definitely yeah. I got you. I got you. Are there people or situations in your life that tell you you are enough and you reject it? Or do you just feel like you've lacked that throughout your life? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. No, I definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, my husband's always, you know, yeah, I know you're the best. You're everything. <laughs> and yeah. I have a, actually a decent support system. My um, my two best friends and, and my mom. I talk to my mom every day. <laughs> She's across the country, but I talk to her every day. Um, yeah, and then my kids are awesome. So I got you. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you, was your mom like that growing up too? Or has it? Yeah, she was. She was always supportive of my art. She was very busy though. She always, um, she worked two jobs for probably most of my childhood. Um, to the point, I was actually in the Big Brothers Big Sisters program because my mom worked all the time and she wanted someone to be able to like take me and do things while she was working her second job. So that was an, a really cool um experience for me i think that um is part of 
who I am. I think just having, um, and it was just someone else to contribute. And we actually have a big family, but she wanted someone to be around for me who was like younger and could take me out and do those things. And so that, um, I think that was a really, um, it was a, it was a good move on her part to have that, um, like emotional buoy for me. So I'm, but yeah, but she was always supportive of me. Really cool. Really cool. Do you have any actions that happen like currently? It can either be daily, weekly, monthly, or annually that reinforce this belief that you're not good enough or you're not enough, not even not good enough, just not enough. Um, I, I think it's just that negative self-talk, which um, talking to other authors and other writers that we, we all tend to have this cyclical I love my writing. I'm great. You know, this is amazing. I'm going to do it. Oh my God. I suck. You know, it's just this, it just keeps creeping up. Um, and for me, mine is just like the lurker, you know, like around the corner, like, Hey, guess what? You're not doing enough. Um, and so I think it's just, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, having a, a mentor or manifesting the good. I, I think I always have that in the back of my head. So it's, it's just a, it's, it's a self inflicted <laughs> lurker. I don't know. Um, yeah. so yeah, I think it's just, the, it's the talk because I also take action steps to avoid it as well. So I gotcha. I gotcha. What action steps do you take to avoid that negative self-talk? Uh, I put in the work. Um, and when I have something go wrong, I, I, I kick back hard. Um, so like, I'll, I'll like cry and lament about it and complain and like really kind of thrash around and throw a tantrum for, you know, a good day or so and then i'm like absolutely not we are gonna get this done and then i'll like write another book you know i just <laughs> throw some weights around they definitely gotta go out there and slam some deadlifts or something but like then i you know i will dig into my writing or my editing and and i'll show up and i think that that is such an important thing is just to keep showing up for yourself um, and then for someone like me, I think that that's important too, because it's not just for everyone else. It's showing up for myself and doing the things. I just slammed my hand on my book. That was, a, <laughs> that was the reason I reached over there, but yeah. So, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> Do you think there are any positive results that, um, the negative self-talk is stopping from coming into your life? Cause I know we talk a lot about limiting beliefs and people will say limiting beliefs about money, limiting beliefs about writing, mm -hmm. limiting beliefs about athletic performance, all stop you from getting the thing that's out there for you to grab. So do you feel like that's the yeah. case with you? I think it could be. Um, I mean, yeah, I think it could be because it, it puts a stopgap on things. Um, it's, you know, anything that halts your momentum, um, could definitely be limiting and that in that negative self-talk definitely halts momentum. So it is definitely something that I need to work past. I mean, we all do, right? If you're, if you don't have negative self-talk and you're human. Exactly. You, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, found, exactly. I actually yeah. found one dude. I found one dude. He was on my show. He was like, yeah, I don't have any limiting beliefs. I was like, really? Dude, that is wild. He's like, wow. you know, I don't know if it's that I don't have them or if it's that I've just gotten so good at calling BS on myself. Yeah. He's like a big ultra marathon guy, marathon guy. Like nice. he pushes himself Push past. way past yeah. these crazy limits. And so he's like, yeah. when you do an ultra marathon, making a cold yeah. call just isn't scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just... I mean, he's right. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it's that, that training mindset where you, you know, train to the last 20, to the last 20 miles of the marathon and just, you know, hope and a prayer for the, that this remaining six, you know, to push past what you thought you were capable of. It's that mindset. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think he definitely had them once upon a time. I think he's just gotten really good at saying, Nope, you're not going to bow down to that. Yes. So good for him. Good for him. Yeah. Um, if you were to change that limiting belief of I'm not enough, into an abundant mm -hmm. phrase that really spoke to your heart. Okay. What would that phrase be? I am enough, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and the universe wants me to succeed. Mm. I got you. I got you. We'll go do, you think, do you think the universe is the I'm not enough paired with and the universe doesn't want me to succeed? 
I think the universe wants me to succeed. Honestly, if I'm if I'm being honest, I really do. I feel like it's it's I feel like it's in my cards. It's on my horizon. I just need to I need to get there. Mm. Um. So I think it's I I do. I I can see it. Um, I can picture it, and I'm really good at that. So, um, I just need to push past my uh my limits. I got you. I got you. Just curious. This may be pushing a little too much, but <laughs> you did pair those two together. And so, if you do believe that the universe wants you to succeed, which I fully believe uh-huh. you do, um, why do you think you paired those two together in the phrase that really speaks to your heart in the "I'm not enough" part? Um, I, I think I wanted to qualify my enough because it's my that's my self-doubt even though I see the bigger picture so I wanted to kind of cement the bigger picture that I know is positive with the the rephrasing of my self-doubt I think does that make sense it's like my the the thing that I knew I wanted to pair in order to like kind of strengthen what I'm manifesting. Mm, I see. So it's something you knew to be true, something you want to be true, paired those two together in hopes that the want would become, now I know it's true. It's like my scaffolding. You know, I I have that structure there and that's going to help hold up everything else. Gotcha. How did you get to the point of knowing that the universe wants you to succeed? I I think I decided a couple of years ago, honestly, once, I realized that I wanted to write this book when that came about, I could see it being big and not necessarily like, Oh, I'm going to be the biggest author because of this book, but I'm going to succeed in my career as an author because it's who I am. And the fact that I wanted it so much, I knew that uh, it was, it was within my universal grasp. I got you. I got you. Cool. Cool. I like it. Thank you for with our enduring my question badgering. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, we got one last question for you. And I want to frame this next question. Actually, before we got one last question, we got one last question before the last question. Okay. Excellent. And so with the knowing that the universe wants you to succeed, I noticed there wasn't a qualifier. So how do you think you can get to the point where the I am enough doesn't have a qualifier on it? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think I need to make it more of a mantra. I think I need to like really kind of pen to paper, just get it out of my head, get get the negative part out of my head and just replace it. Um, and I mean, it's something that I, tell like my kids all the time I'm like take that negative thought and replace it you know whenever it pops up because it's an intrusive thought I mean that's what it is when those intrusive thoughts come lurking you need to have something ready it's a comeback you need to come back and just replace it you know just pull that brick out and plug something else in Mm. um so I need to take my own advice on that yeah there we go (laughs) now we got the last question and I want to frame it Alex Hormozzi, who I've mentioned for the third time on this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to have to bring him on one day. And yeah, like, I think my, you do. My whole podcast is about you, just so you know. <laughs> but um, he said that the difference between manipulation and help is intent. And I think his point here is that you're influencing people in both situations, but manipulation is about getting somebody to do something that you want them to do, while help is about seeking to understand what somebody else wants and then helping them get there. This question is about help, not manipulation. So mm-hmm. there's a common saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I actually found out from Dr. Alan Leica, who was a guest on my show, that you can make it drink. You just have to salt its oats. Now, I want you to think of a person with a really fixed mindset, not willing to accept help, not willing to accept change, but they hate their life. How can we, you and I, create an environment to salt their oats and help them change their life. I think he here is showing um, not only what they're capable of, but I think showing them 
a result, something that's already there, something that they've already brought to the table that is indicative of how change can be um, more profound in, in, a, in a way that would be pleasing to them. Um, and I, I think, I, like, I hope I'm getting, I hope I'm getting to the meat here properly, but um, I had this with personal training clients. Um, so many people would be like, well, I'm not in shape. I'm afraid to come work out with you. And I'm like, that's literally the reason that I am existing in this field. Like I'm not here to train people who are, I mean, it's great to have people who know what they're doing and just want, you know, a different form of direction. But the reason I was doing it was to help people get to the goals, help people, you know, recover from illness. I would have, you know, people recovering from cancer or people who wanted to lose mass amounts of weight or people who just, you know, whatever the reason that you're coming to me, it's for me to help you get to where you are your healthiest, right? And so um, I had so many people say, well, I don't want to work. I don't look like you. Of course you don't. You're not me. You're not trying to look like me. You're trying to look like you. You're just trying to be healthy. Like it's not about that. So what I, what I always wanted to do was come in, let me show you what you can do. Let me show you how I can help you realize what you are capable of and how that is going to turn into your life being more positive. Does that kind of answer the question? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. I like to show them what they're capable of, show them a result and also kind of just embedded in there. There was a make them feel safe. And there was Absolutely. a little, there was a little bit of a, a lot of people get a bad feeling about sales, but sales at its core, when you have a great product is helping people get out of their own way when it comes to helping themselves. And so yes. when it comes to training and you're like, I don't want to come work out with you because I don't look like you. It's like, good. That's not what we're trying to do. You don't want to look like me. Yeah. I want you to look like you and your best you. And so yeah making them feel safe and like pushing past their um, honestly, the intrusive negative thoughts that they have in their head yeah. that are stopping them Definitely. from taking the next step. I think that's really cool. So yeah. yeah, I love that answer. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We do that also with, with writing when we critique each other. Um, like, you know, obviously like in, I have different friends who are different writers. We're all from different walks of life and we've met online but we critique each other's writing and manuscripts and you can't go into a critique going, well, I hate this and you messed up here and you have 18,000 typos. That's me, by the way, 18,000 typos. And like, you know, this is awful and you need to change all that. Even if you feel that way, you got to bookend it. You got to be like, oh my God, this character is so cute. I love this line of dialogue. Here's what I love what you've done with this passage. I want to see more of that here. And I think showing people what they've done right and all the things that have made you feel in their manuscript is a way to bring out their better writing and have them change the, the stuff that isn't so good or that I didn't connect with um, and make them um, expand and expound on what they did so brilliantly. I, th yeah. I think it's kind of the same thing. So, I love that. Well, awesome. Jessica, that's all we got for you. Is there anything Excellent. else you want to chat about before we sign off? Um. I don't think so. I mean, I have a cover reveal for Stars Like Gasoline in January, uh, and I'll be doing that on all of my uh, social media pages, especially Instagram, though, because that's kind of where I'm the most active. Um, and so that'll be a big deal, and I'll open pre-orders for Stars Like Gasoline, and I'm super excited about that book. So um, that's kind of all. I just wanted to plug that a little bit. Gotcha. There we go. You okay. said you'll be yeah, opening. Thank you so much for having me on. This was great. Of course. Yeah. You said oh, you pre-orders. Yes. Pre-orders. Um, <laughs> was there a date on that? I didn't catch it. Uh, January 24th actually is when I plan to do the cover reveal. And if all goes to plan, I will open pre-orders um, that day as well. So yeah. Gotcha. That's awesome. And that's a Monday, right? It should be a Tuesday. Tuesday. If I did my, I think it yeah, should be a Tuesday. And then, um, yeah. And then the book will come out in April. But as for now, I have Another Beast Skin and A Braiding of Darkness available wherever books are sold. So, yeah. Sounds good. Well, there you go. Jessica, thanks so much for coming on the show. And if you guys loved what she had to say, loved who she is, go check out her books. Buy a copy. Buy a copy for a friend. Leave a review on Amazon. Is that the best place to leave a review? Or 
anywhere, anywhere, you, anywhere you want. Amazon's great. Goodreads if you're on Goodreads. Um, but you know, if you bought the book off Barnes and Noble, definitely leave a review there. Um, yeah. But reviews are awesome. They're like really, really helpful for authors. People don't realize just how important they are. So even if it's a bad review. There we yeah. go. Yeah. There we go. And join yeah. her email list and then get on her for not sending out the emails. Consistently. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I'll work on that later. That's my action step for this week. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jessica, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Of course. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you on the next one. On that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.